0: Ahoy, and welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all the animated and live-action entries in the Lupin the Third franchise in mostly chronological order, and this is our weekly reaction series to Part Six, Tea Time. And Tonight, we're talking about Episode Nine. Well, it's not really tonight. It depends on where you listen to it at. Don't think too hard about that. We're talking about Episode Nine of Part Six, The Jet Black <laughs> Diamond. So let's do our little round table. um, uh, uh, Well, first, let's introduce introduce ourselves before the round table. This is going
1: (laughs) extremely smoothly. We got it this time.
0: (laughs) So, uh, Jay, what is your name?
1: (laughs) Spoilers, man. Jay, what is your name? It's Jay. (laughs) How about you, Natalie? What is your name? (laughs) Oh. Oh
2: su uh, capita Natalie, hola. <laughs> that was like hola. my poor attempt to speak Portuguese because my Portuguese is very ven- very minimal. R.I.P. Grandma. <laughs>
1: Como
2: esta? <laughs> <laughs> Abregado. <laughs> uh, cr- <laughs> Chris,
3: who are you?
1: <laughs> who are you? <laughs> oh,
3: that's deep. <laughs> I can tell you who I'm not. would that help? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the other Chris we've had on the show. I'm this Chris. I'm this Chris. That rhymes. The amazing of this Godby. And I'm not wearing I'm not wearing a green jacket this week.
2: No, but um, you guys can't see, listeners can't see it. But Chris and I are the only jolly ones here because we're wearing Santa
1: hats. <laughs> I'm wearing y'all. red. If that makes any difference.
3: And, also, and I i'm work wearing, at target so i have to <laughs> and i and i'm wearing a loop t t-shirt designed by jay yo so i'm not wearing a green jacket this week but i am wearing a red jacket <laughs> and it's a dope red jacket indeed
0: i guess this means you're drew I, I i well i was gonna say i don't know who i am but thank you for reminding me i almost forgot there for a second yes <laughs> i am drew okay yeah, we got what and, and I am group,
2: but that's beside the point.
0: <laughs> so to kick off our roundtable, uh, since he's returning after a few episodes absent, Jay, how did you feel about this week's episode?
1: So I personally loved it. Um, it, it felt like a t- tried and true, like retro Lupin escapade from like part two. So especially some of the more fun uh, adventure based episodes that they tend to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, I I will say this. I absolutely saw it coming. I knew exactly from the moment we saw the old lady that she was going to be the, the main the main chick, if you will, of the week. <laughs> and uh, it, it it was a lot of fun. I really loved it. Um, it. Maybe not the strongest episode in the series yet, but definitely one of the one of the fun ones.
0: Indeed, indeed. How
1: about you, Natalie? <laughs>
2: Um, I loved it. It was a really, um, fun episode. I love how, um, this episode was really a Fujiko, in a sense, it was really a Fujiko episode because you know, Fujiko did a I'm not saying she did all of the work, but she did a good majority of it, and her outfits were stunning from like the dress and the mask at the auction to her summer dress and yes, the bikini. Um, uh... the side character, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also her in a ponytail, which we need more of um yes i feel but also um i love the side characters i did like the story and um the use of the setting because it's obviously it's not the first time the gang has visited brazil but um I think, you know, I I love when they do go to, in the rare opportunities they go to South America. I know sometimes it can be a little dated in the representation, but, you know, I didn't feel offended. It didn't look offensive and it looked, it it looked fun. It looked like a really good romp in a tropical setting and also with pirates. And as someone who's obsessed with pirates, because my name is the captain, uh, I loved it. But yeah, it was a really good episode.
1: I really loved that One Piece and Lupin crossover we just had. <laughs> Basically, oh, we got um, the Pirate King and everything. Let's go!
2: Yeah, and he did look like that one, um, that one character in One Piece. I don't know. I can't. I can't stand One Piece for the sake of the fact that I can't stand Same. something that
1: doesn't, that doesn't end. So, my brother's obsessed with it, and I just can't. I can't fathom
2: why. I have the hots for Nico Robin and Boyle Hancock. That's the only reason why I watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Chris, how about you? Uh,
3: Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everybody else so far. It it reminded me a lot of part two in a lot of ways. Um, I did feel like the, uh, the middle kind of slowed down a bit because of all the exposition we got, but it wasn't really enough to really, you know, Bring down my opinion of the episode at all. Yeah, I still thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I thought it was really funny as well. Like, whenever I think about the humor in in the episode, I just think of Lupin and Jigen diving into the water and then immediately being attacked by a shark (laughs) and then being attacked by a giant squid that's attacking the giant shark.
2: Like reverse Sharknado.
3: Right. (laughs) And then uh, I also really appreciated that... uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, but the fact that, you know because the focus was on Fujiko this time, to an extent, we actually got to see her, like, going out and doing legwork, you know, as far as her thievery goes, which I feel like a lot, a lot of times, especially recently, we don't see Fujiko actually, like, you know, out in the field, you know, doing this thing. You know, she's usually manipulating other people, or you know, winking it away from Lupin at the very end. So, actually seeing her, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that either, that's yeah, that's part of who she is, but, but yeah, I actually enjoyed seeing her actually going out and, you know, doing this thing on her own.
2: Like, like actually getting dirty for once. <laughs> right. Yeah. Getting her hands dirty.
3: Oh, heck yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Instead of letting the boys do the work. You brought up the right. humor in this episode, and I just got to touch on two lines that cracked me up. Uh, <laughs> one, Jigen's line. Where he says, you're killing killing me with this shit, man. For some reason, that one made me bust out laughing. That was great. <laughs> just the way he said it was just perfect. I can't um, wait to hear
3: Richard Eckhart say that. Oh, this I can't wait.
1: <laughs> and then the other one, which I know Drew will really appreciate this, is the Neener Neener return. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God, that it was great. so happy. <laughs> I was losing out screaming from the heavens.
0: <laughs> that unhinged face he makes me does it too is like.
1: Yes! This is
0: incredible. <laughs>
2: ironically not i not ironically just coincidentally he did the same thing in the in the part two rio episode when he's being snarky to um the cops and the cameras right and and i just remember the i remember the dub line where tony oliver goes well here's the thing you know you're not really going crazy until you go blah blah,
3: blah, blah." (laughs) (laughs) also i feel like we have to address uh the lupon powder yes oh
2: yes yes i'm not sure how
3: to address that i feel like we need to
2: all i can say is this lupon and Zenigata's relationship is no longer anything but like gay powder yeah Yeah. like (laughs) like there's no hetero explanation for that at all
3: (laughs) he just really likes the scent i mean it kind of reminds me of a kind of thing you see in like you know like a silver age superhero comic oh yeah Mm -hmm you know it's just like it's never been brought up before and it will probably never be brought up again <laughs> but there it is i loved it because like it's one of those things that you that
0: needs so much explanation but it is brought up so quickly and then just <laughs> dropped where it's like oh yeah i lose my lupon powder it's like oh of course of course you did the old trick
1: anyways
2: <laughs> all right moving on my only question is how does it smell like well, cheap I mean, cologne,
3: musky. <laughs> I mean, I mean, according to the English version of the manga, Lupin smells fantastic. So, This is guy you know, points out at one point that he has that Lupin has excellent hygiene. Good to know. Good to know from because, my hip cannons. <laughs> because because Lupin had disguised himself as someone who apparently stinks really bad. Oh, oops. guy okay. is like. Okay, there's two of them, but only one of them stinks. And I know Lupin has excellent hygiene. Ha! And that's when he yanks the mask off.
1: <laughs> that's so good.
3: Yeah. How I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, to, to finish out the roundtable, I, notably, less so than the last episode, but the last few episodes have, particularly, um, uh, what was the episode called? Um, an untold tale or something. Kind of really put me in a not so great place with part six and kind of made me uninterested in where the whole thing was going. And the pacing of it has been a big issue for me. However, I was so, I was so happy to watch an episode of part six this week and just be delighted the entire time. It made me so happy. Like for the first watch, I loved it. The second watch, I loved it even more. Um, also, awesome.
1: uh, no, yeah Real quick, Drew, just to bring this up, in this episode, there was a moment where uh, Jigen and Goemon were, I think, on a boat or something. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how Lupin was in London.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, that's that was... a direct
1: tie in to part six, technically. <sighs>
0: Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that because it, it added like a bit of a comedic touch with their like. I don't know if they mean this literally, but they're like Lupin can't afford to leave London right now, so we have to come out here and do this. Like, is he broke?
4: Like, can he like
0: just can he not financially afford to go? He's just there sitting on his beanbag on his laptop, controlling Lupin the drone, <laughs> which <laughs>
3: the drone that's right,
0: which, which also cracked me up. Um, but, I but, guess that also, that's
2: just her way to bring back more modern technology into the fold mm-hmm. but.
0: but but that also played into one reason why I really like this episode it is I, I liked Lupin's obviously been like with the exception of the last episode because that was the Jigen episode like he's been front and center this entire time it was kind of fun to see him take a bit of a back seat and have Fujiko take the lead in this one especially like in the back half <laughs> totally. of the episode it, 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 it was great she got to like work on her own we got to see her like Pulling some like you know like fun like thief shit like planning bugs and stuff, but also getting like trackers placed on her, which was like I love that great little back and forth between her and um, uh, Cherry and uh, her great granddaughter Sakura. Like I I love oh yeah whenever they bring in side characters in Lupin that I actually give a shit about, and this one did a real good job like. It, it did get bogged a little bit by exposition but but i liked that i understood entirely where, where like where they were coming from the motivations it gave me enough to care yep. um and, and just when i thought like it was going to be one exposition dump too many when when they're heading to the uh, the magical cashew nut tree which is a weird sentence out of context but in in context <laughs> it's actually very sweet um, when they're going, uh, Cherry mentioned something like, uh, uh, on our way, I'm going to mention a story about him um, uh, Forbidden Love, and I'm like, oh no, is, she, is, is it just going to be like an untold tale again, where they're just talking about it? And there's this really, like, I think beautifully done flashback scene without any lines of dialogue and just music playing over uh, her uh, Sakura meeting uh, uh, the pirate king Zeke and, like, just their whole story together playing out without any words, just a whole arc of it, I thought was just really beautifully done. And it just led to them getting to the place. You didn't need a bunch of exposition. It told it, like, within, like, I think under a minute, almost. I don't know. I, 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 I really loved that touch. And, and I also just, like, aside from it being very sweet, it was also, I think, the funniest episode of Part 6 so far. Like, everything from, like, Chris mentioned that whole thing of... Jigen talking about all they went through to get it, being chased by the shark and everything. Um, Goemon arriving, just riding a giant squid and then cutting it in half. Just out of nowhere. just no Again, no explanation yeah. at all. It just happens you know, and we I, move
3: on.
1: <laughs> and I love Jigen's reaction to that too. It just cracked me up, that entire scene.
3: Yeah, there's your explanation. He's in the water. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah, He's in the water, now he's here. That's all you need to know
2: just suddenly pops out of nowhere like so what you doing here uh, training duh
0: <laughs> and there was there was that bit where um um when when Gigan and Goemon are going to the uh, to to intercept uh, Fujiko and Cherry and everyone when Goemon says, says, you know, "Why exactly are we coming out here?" And then Jigen's like, "Well, he Lupin remembered something." And it just cuts to Lupin jolting awake with his little sleeping cap on, <laughs> and Jigen like a one floor up, going, ah, oh,
3: "What's wrong?
2: <laughs> just are we being attacked? What was that?"
3: <laughs> Let's see, on. Wait, no, that's not it. <laughs> his
1: that
2: like aha so
3: moment was just <laughs>
1: glorious.
3: <laughs> I also really like the uh, the whole opening with the auction oh, oh yeah. yes and also you in is it just me or was Lupin in his uh uh count nipple disguise from, that's uh, what part i one? thought
2: yeah like, i mean when they i made, saw that i was like he i didn't like think about nipple. that but I you're mean, right no um i, mean, I was I'd... talking about this with Guillaume earlier today when we were talking about the episode and um we noticed that as a part one reference and also um the chief that was talking to Zenigata later on with the, holy shit, you could probably broom his, you could use his mustache as a broom to fucking sweep my kitchen. Um, yeah, like, they did There some was really another part good...
1: one reference, too, when they jumped off the cliff into the water. Yeah, they, did, they did some were... really good part oh, yeah. one
2: references in this yep.
1: episode, so. And You're
2: uh, not the only one who caught it, also... Jay.
3: <laughs> and also, uh, the whole thing with the pepper reminds me of that part two episode, I think, uh, Return of the X Factor. Oh, Yeah! You know, you know, with the kingdom that has incredibly bland food. Yep. So, their gift, so their gift to Lupin for helping them out is to give them salt.
2: Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> well, I, I love how dub Dubjigen said that line of, well, what do you think? A country with food so, food so bland, of course, salt would be the treasure. <laughs> right.
3: And that's pretty much what happened with the pepper in this one.
1: Yep. That, that's part of the reason why I had strong part two vibes was because of that right. uh, salt and pepper reference here.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and then uh like i don't think it was an intentional reference but the way jigen picked up Lupin from the auction by driving the car through the window and Lupin like jumps in <laughs> as or yes as through, just that not reminds me giving so a much... fuck
2: about destroying a cathedral
3: <laughs> well, see that reminds me a lot of a uh bit from monkey punch's uh sexy Lupin a third manga oh yeah where, where at one point the car like goes off a ramp or something and Lupin pretty much says, I guess this is my stop. And he just jumps out of the car in midair while it's upside down. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of reminded me of, I mean, I don't think he actually said anything, but you know, he just sort of, you know, just jumps out of the car while it's upside down and it kind of reminded me of that, you know, the whole escape from the auction house, but like reverse. Mm
1: -hmm. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. Because Now he was jumping into the car while it was in (laughs) there, but don't think it was an intentional reference, but that's what it reminded me of.
1: You know what? Intentional or not, we can call it a reference.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. who's going to tell us it's not, right? Right. Absolutely. (laughs) That's right. Fight the system. We're rebels without a clue. Anyway. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) But I really dug that underground auction scene because it kind of gave me, again, I think I mentioned it on here before during our part uh, one reviews, but it kind of gave me that feeling of Lupin kind of like dabbling in the criminal underworld again because it kind of – they didn't explicitly say it was criminals, but it was like an underground – auction like everyone said to be like real sneaky to go in and everything again i i I love that vibe special ticket in my loop on
2: yeah the special the special ticket led by um that you just put up to a very catholic looking figure of jesus christ (laughs) where the heart just suddenly lights up and boom (laughs) you're in like a strong catholic vibes (laughs) for the catholic here but yeah i get i get what you mean about the the secret underground auction i Mm. mean even like the, the tearjerker episode from part two that I love, the cor- uh, Cornelia episode, it was like, um, yeah, like the beginning of it was, it looked like they were at some kind of like planetarium. And then suddenly it gets, you know, you hear Cornelia going, and now we're here for the main event, the auction. Look under appetizers. This is what we're offering. And it's like all the <laughs> shit that they were auctioning off that they stole from the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But no, uh, i I really did enjoy Fujiko getting the spotlight in this in the second half. And I, mm-hmm. I could see such a some nice change of pace. I, I could see some folks maybe like not being crazy about like the very last moment giving like some entries in the past where she's perfectly fine with the treasure being what it is. She just got to see like, you know, she got to witness the the tree that only blooms every seventy five years and she seems really happy. I don't know that that tracked for me because, I mean, you got the ending of Operation Return of the Treasure, where she's initially upset that the treasure is mm-hmm. the um, uh, the Sagrada Familia, like showing like it's like true full form that was envisioned. And she's uh, she's upset at first when she looks at it. She's like perfectly content with it. I don't know. It tracked for me. I, I-, I thought it was a very she sweet ending. She likes shiny things. S- exactly. <laughs> it gl- like, it- it she was likes glowing. shiny
1: things. Diamonds, jewels, you know, she loves it. She loves that shiny shit and she's gonna well, she's gonna appreciate a shiny tree just as much as she's gonna <laughs> appreciate a shiny diamond.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, it could be uh, you know, some like subtle character development too.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, you, you know, the fact that the fact that she's willing to just like cut her losses and just you know you know, not make a big deal out of it or anything.
1: It's kinda way- nice to not have her complain about uh, losing the treasure this time. Right.
2: I mean, the way I see it, um, even as subtle character development is like, um, I feel like she kind of had this sort of kinship with, um, Cherry, Mm
4: -hmm.
2: um, because, you know, keep in mind, um, from the beginning of the episode, she keeps an eye on Cherry and her granddaughter and, you know, throughout the, throughout the episode, as she's trying to, as Fujiko, as she's trying to look for the treasure, um, and keeping her tabs on Cherry, she even said, "Oh, I must be slipping because you put a tracker on me too." And then when she, you know, when she comes to their rescue and then notices that, oh, Grandma Invalid is not so invalid. And she's actually, you know, pretty much an old badass. <laughs> like it, it's, it's a sense more of like appreciation and admiration for for this woman and what this woman was trying to accomplish with finding mm-hmm. the treasure so even if you can think of it as subtle character development I do think deep down in in her cesspool of greediness I still love her for it Fujiko Absolutely. has her soft tender yeah she has her soft tender moments like she does. you know she she's not mm-hmm. all just like you know like the Ariana Grande song like I see it I like it I want it I got it no like <laughs> I'd like to think that she has those sincere moments because we've seen those sincere moments before yeah i don't know any examples right now but we've seen them
1: i mean i could bring up one one of my favorite sincere moments where she asked Lupin to shoot her because they were pretty much certain for death uh, because of the germans oh yeah that that
2: episode oh yeah
3: the uh the germans yeah
1: germans you know what i mean
2: also
3: uh, also mystery mystery of mamo
1: and yeah Yeah, mystery Mamo. mamo like these are all good examples of her her character development like i wouldn't even call it development she just has a soft spot like she does she has a
3: a sentimental side even
1: if she doesn't show it all the time
2: it's (laughs) very like recessed in herself like her her outer facade is this beautiful woman who is driven by her lust for the finer things but deep down she does have that softy side you rarely
1: see it but it's there (laughs) Chris, what did you say that I missed? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Because I did not say mean it. to over-talk you, but I did. I'm, I'm pretty certain because <laughs> I couldn't right. hear
3: you. It says, you know, you said Fujiko has a soft side Or has a soft spot. I'm like, yeah, two immediately come to mind.
1: <laughs> How did I miss that? <laughs> I was talking, so I couldn't hear you in my own head. <laughs> That was good. uh, That was good.
2: I'm just like Patrick right now. Touch. (laughs) (laughs) Don't touch. (laughs) I have to keep following
3: you around all day. Anyway,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey Um, Jellyfish, I have to touch you. (laughs) uh,
3: Speaking of Cherry and uh, her, what great granddaughter? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So there was some uh, subtle wordplay here that I completely missed. Oh. Because, uh, so yeah, Cherry's big sister and her great-granddaughter are both named what? Sakura. Uh, ah. Yeah. What does the word Sakura mean?
2: Cherry Blossom.
1: Oh.
3: Hey. Yeah.
1: Wow.
2: <laughs> I, I did figured not think that you... out, but it's just like, I, I figured other anime fans would be like.
3: <coughs> Bless you. Hold on, hold on. I'm the ordained minister here. I'm supposed to be blessing them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yes I I didn't even catch up on that or yeah, catch I, I I mean to it, that at all because
3: I mean it, it it didn't even cross my mind till a minute ago wow, wow that's, so that's, how cool. Cool. I saw, that's how I pulled out my phone I had to look it up real quick make sure wow. I was right wow
1: I'm mind blown
3: <laughs> so you know maybe it's sort of like a John Carpenter's The Thing where if you translate what the uh, what is it the Norwegians are saying at the beginning they pretty much spoiled the first half of the movie
2: yeah oh yeah,
3: <laughs> this is true. I love that film. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so good. Anyway, I,
0: I, I love how like wholesome and like genuinely sweet this episode was because the person who wrote mm-hmm. this episode, her name is. Uh, let me make sure I got her first name right. Uh, Kanae Minato. And she has been described in Japan as uh, the queen of Iemasu, which is. Basically means "ew" mystery, and it's a subgenre of mystery fiction which deals with the grisly episodes of the dark side of human nature. It's what she's known for writing.
1: <laughs> Dang!
2: Oh, so, so she's a Japanese George What's R. That? R. Martin. Uh, yes, I'm actually
0: one if, of her
3: books. If uh, he wrote crime, I suppose this is true. Okay, so now, okay, so now I'm really wondering what the hell the Lupin powder was. Was it cocaine? <laughs> cocaine. <Hey! laughs>
0: Okay. I'm just having a mental image of God just like sniffing the entire trail, which is why he's so <laughs> fired up when he gets
1: there. <laughs> oh, he's just like, that, he's reminds
3: like <laughs> that reminds me, I caught, there was another uh, part part two reference I caught. Uh, near the end when Pops lands in the water, mm-hmm. he's holding on to a really large sea turtle, just like he was at the end of the first episode of part two.
2: And then he spanks That's it to go fast. Again, I don't know if that was an intentional
3: reference, but I'm willing to bet that it was. <laughs> it's like the only way that could have, could have been more explicit if he like, you know, jumps on the back of it, tried to write it.
2: Oh, so, um, drew, <laughs> you mentioned the writer for this episode was, uh, can Minato.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I, it's funny. Cause on Saturday I wrote on my Twitter, like I, I tweeted who wrote this episode of L three six because Holy shit. It was amazing. And, um, somebody who doesn't, well, well it was like, just it it, it felt a little random but hello random person they responded (laughs) kane minato i strongly recommend you watch film adaptations of her novels for example confession and i i you know curious i went i I googled i went to sir google and i googled confession and it looked yeah it looked within that genre that you were speaking of and when i was reading the hypnosis on wikipedia it did remind me of a lot of like kind of reminding me like between stephen king and george R. R. martin just those writers mm-hmm. that really deal with like not necessarily good versus evil but like the wonderful the wonderful duality in humanity that like we're mm-hmm. all capable of good we're all capable of bad who you know like the inner struggle that is the dichotomy of humanity and i was like okay yeah i, I can see that <laughs> so see that. so
3: which thing is she tends to write about the kind of stuff that part six advertised itself as being
2: <laughs> I guess and, and <laughs> hasn't, but has it has not
3: turned hurt. out to be yet
2: exactly. exactly
0: I'm sorry we're talking about all this and I still can't get my mind off of just the Lupin powder being cocaine and pop sniffing the entire trail <laughs> because that would explain why he can like sprint over toppling statues in that hallway <laughs> <laughs> you know, if
3: you really think about it it would probably explain a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's yeah. going to be the subject matter of I'm Kawike's a, next movie.
2: The
3: crack rock of Koichi Zenigata. <laughs> the
1: crack yes. rock of Koichi
2: <laughs> um, But back oh to Kane Minato, um, you know, like, dark detective fiction and, um, and the literary theme of part six. Yeah, they're still keeping it within the theme, except it did, this episode didn't really feel like within the detective genre, it just felt like a really good adventure romp. It just felt like, I don't know. It felt a little bit more cute to me and Mm -hmm. and less and, and more, more comedy focused, even, even in the moments of sincerity that it had, you know, when you're learning about, um, you know, um, Cherry's sister and the, and the pirates and this treasure and all that, it's just like, you know it 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 went a fine line from what part six was up until now you know you know what i mean sorry i feel like i'm going off in tangents but it just felt incredibly different
3: Mm -hmm. i mean if anything it reminded me of the uh the bogus transcontinental railway episode because Mm -hmm. yeah you know the literary themes weren't quite that strong and it was just a fun solid you know uh, 20 minute adventure Mm -hmm.
0: no no, agreed Um, uh, but i think you're right on the money uh natalie like it didn't feel like a part six episode it had those crazy part two elements but to me it kind of feels more like a part four episode with how well it balances like side characters you actually care about Mm -hmm. having some of those zany part two antics but also just finding like a nice balance between those things which i'm glad because i so far Vastly prefer Part Four to Part Six, so it was kind of like a nice, like likewise. There was a nice reminder of like, hey, so this is what Lupin like you know, can be, you know. (laughs) I'm I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going to dwell too much on it. And also, just one little side note: we're not going to dwell on it too much. You know, we can all have different opinions about Part Six. Oh yeah. No, that does not mean we are watching a different show from some of you it's okay because some people absolutely love it some people absolutely downright hate it i am as of right now like right there in the middle i have hope especially for the second half we'll get to that near the end of the show but again it's a-okay for us to have like different opinions sometimes our opinions all line up and sometimes they don't like
1: it's all good yeah it's important to acknowledge that we're allowed to have differing opinions too, and a lot of this fandom, from my perspective, and there's a reason why I haven't been very vocal in it. Um, it's because I can't stand to see how how much people trash talk other people for their opinions on something. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of pathetic. No offense to those who are doing it, but okay, maybe full offense. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> <Some> <laughs> and- You're allowed to have differing opinions. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's really plain and simple. If you don't like someone's opinion, that's fine. But don't make it your end goal to harass and antagonize them for having a differing opinion from you.
2: And, you know, to piggyback off Jay, I haven't experienced the whole harassment over people's opinions about part six. And my vitriol over the opinions is just... um, It's just how visceral they're coming out to be. Like, again, you're entitled to your own opinion. Let me say that right there. I don't care if you hate it. I don't care if you love it. I don't care if you're going to disregard Lupin the third entirely because you don't like part six. I don't care about that at all. What I care about that sentiment is how you're making it sound like it's a life or death situation. That it's that you're that that your view of lupon is on the balance over this series and it's like again this is kind of like what i said in the last episode grow the fuck up it's a show (laughs) it's an anime it doesn't pay your bills it doesn't dictate your life if you feel that strongly about it i'm sorry to say this you kind of need help
0: but (laughs) you need a life (laughs) yeah i hate to break it to you this is a cartoon
2: yeah and, Correct. and i get it i get i get if you don't enjoy it i get if it doesn't resonate with you i get if this isn't the lupon you enjoy but don't act like you're going to die because you're not getting oh i miss part two or i miss part four i miss a lot of those too but guess what i'm still here for the damn cold chicky nuggies
3: <laughs>
1: same <laughs>
2: that's how i've well, been equating it part six to me has been really cold chicky nuggies
3: well i was going to piggyback off natalie but drew pretty much said what i was going to with the whole it's just a cartoon chill <laughs>
1: it's plain and simple
3: the, it's like, and, like, and that great
1: have- regina
2: george philosophy why are you obsessed with me
1: <laughs> god and you have no idea how much i wanted to comment on that <laughs> end of
0: soapbox rant there Back to the episode. Yeah. I I I loved the reveal, the final reveal of the uh the treasure. Also the magical cashew nut tree. Still weird to say that, but it's very sweet.
3: Um magical
2: <laughs> cashew nut.
3: <laughs> okay, look, that is far from the strangest thing we've seen in this franchise. No, it's, it's true. so true. I mean, it's probably not even it's I, probably not even up there with the weirdest thing in this episode. Lupin powder,
1: probably not.
2: So,
3: (laughs) going on. So, was it was
2: it cashews or Brazil nuts? Because both are native to Brazil, but Brazil nuts make twenty times more sense than cashews.
3: I think they said cashews. Okay, in the dialogue,
0: in the dialogue, they explicitly say cashew nut.
2: Okay, well, I want cashews now. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) same actually. By the way, cashews make really good um, vegan um, vegan sour cream substitutes. So, oh, dear. is First that what Goyle's was eating
3: on the boat? Cashews?
2: Hmm? I don't cashews. know because
0: like I've, I've seen some people say cashews, but I've seen fan art of him eating potato chips. And we're watching it again a few minutes ago when Jigen throws them in his mouth. They're super crunchy. I don't know if cashews are like that crisp or this just like a weird thing in the sound design i don't know probably sound design
2: because um back to that vegan recipe cashews and vegan cooking are heavily used um for like for like white sauces so like you're you know like as like to make yogurt or to make sour cream or to make um like that really nice white cream you put on cinnamon rolls um yeah cashews are used as that base you soak them overnight and then you blend them and you get that really nice, creamy base. And you and you notice that, too, when you bite into them. They don't really have a crunch. They, they're they kind of really soft.
3: And they're also used for foreshadowing this episode. I, I've just now realized.
2: For what? Boy, oh. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Huh.
3: Yeah. You know, with the whole cashew tree. Yeah. That's why I'm glad mom was eating cashews, probably. Yep. I thought it was I am to Brazil. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's like I like the episode, but as we're talking about it, I'm liking it even more now. Exactly. <laughs> there's there's all this really subtle, you know, foreshadowing that I completely missed the first time.
2: Well, speaking yes, of um great. speaking of just like the the story and and the setting, you know, the the one thing that I found interesting especially with the use of the what was the name of the dolls that the maps were hidden in um
0: Oh god. Oh god.
2: Um, I can't think of the name right now. What's unique about the setting and how, um, you know, Sakura, Sakura and Cherry tell Fujiko that their family immigrated from Japan to Brazil and then, you know, the sister stayed. Um, here's a wonderful, fascinating historical di- tidbit, especially during the Sagoku, um, Sagaku period in Japan. You know, the the close country. No one can come in. No one can come out of the, um, of the 17th and 18th centuries. I'm getting my um, dates wrong. But anyways a lot of people who were able to leave immigrated to South America. So if you look at, if you look at kind of like a census of South America, there's some pretty strong Japanese diasporas, particularly in Mexico, um, Mexico, Panama, um, Peru. Peru has heavy Japanese influence even in their politics and Brazil. So I love how they're inserting you know, one of the tidbits they talked about this episode was like the kinship between Brazil and Japan. And I and, I, and me, the historical nerds, are like, yes, <laughs> give me some more of that kinship. <laughs> tell me more about the diaspora. More. Yes. Tell me more of the diaspora of Japanese people in Brazil. I need more. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that, 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 that was a great. Little touch there, and I, I I like how that played into the reveal what the final treasure, what the jet black diamond mm-hmm. actually is, which is just a nice big crate of pepper because it was a highly highly sought after and valuable export. So of course it's mm-hmm. it's it, 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 it was a priceless treasure, just not the one they were expecting. And uh, don't think it's wasn't God expected to get dumped all over himself <laughs> at the very end of this episode. Uh,
3: about the about those dolls, that's not the first time I've seen them in a Monkey Punch adaptation. Because was the, uh first time uh mankatsu. Ah in oh. the uh Ishuku uh Ipan's uh I'm probably mispronouncing that segments. And okay, this podcast is rated explicit, right? No, oh, yes.
2: Yes. Okay, okay. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, there's one where <laughs> there, yeah. there's
3: one there's one where our, you know, nameless wandering Ronan is walking past this woman's house, he peers into the window, and she like sits up in bed. And she picks up one of those dolls and looks at it suggestively. And she shakes her head, puts it down, picks up a bigger one, shakes her head, and so our, you know, our wandering Ronin is like, you know, his eyes are just like glued to her, you know, peeping in on her from outside. And then she picks up one that's like, I don't know, like two feet tall or something. It's huge. And so he's getting really excited. Then she walks over to the window and hits him with it before going back <laughs> before going back before going back to bed.
0: <laughs> so, that was good. That <laughs> that's that's very sur- mankatsu
3: it, it, yeah it, it would not surprise me. That's like a you know no for note adaptation of one of those <laughs> original strips. But <laughs> but we, it's weird. It's like of all the things I could I could recognize these dolls from. Uh, I see. I'm like, oh yeah, sex toy. <laughs> I feel like this <laughs> says more about me than it does anything else. Anyway, moving on.
0: <laughs> yeah. I see. I guess on that note, does that pretty much wrap up like our general thoughts about the episode for this week? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Again, it was was one of those episodes where, like, I I also can appreciate because I've loved the part six episodes, especially like you know the uh, the Hemingway episode that like really like make you like try to break it down and kind of confound you. You got to really like discuss it and break it down. It was nice to just have like a fun caper for an episode Mm -hmm, that was just, it's just easy to just watch him be like, I understood everything that was going on. That was nice.
3: (laughs) I wasn't baffled for one moment. I I know I say this every week, but I want a whole series of episodes like this. Don't worry about the overarching plot plot line. Just give me more of this.
1: Yeah. Agreed. I'm pretty sure people would have a drastically different opinion of this a particular series if there wasn't an over an uh, plot line right now mm-hmm. if it was just if it was just episodic from day one it probably would have went over so much better right now and that's sad because it could have also been the opposite where if they had an overarching plot that actually t- actually had more episodes dedicated to it actually probably also would have gotten a lot a better review from a lot of the fandom you know the way they mixed it this this time around is making part 5 look leagues better uh, it's making part 4 shine brighter than a freaking diamond mhm like yep. there's there's it's a, it's currently a catastrophe it's great writing like i said i said this in the past each episode by itself is great by itself but once you put it in a series that has an overarching plot with the main episodes we're losing a lot of momentum. Mm.
2: I think um, on that note, it kind of like, it's kind of like how for me, I'm starting to, I'm not having buyer's remorse or anything, but while I am happy, we're getting more Lupin content. um, I'm trying to feel something with Lupin that I felt when I first watched part two as a teenager, you know, like part two, especially watching it on Adult Swim and eagerly waiting to buy the DVDs when the episodes weren't, you know, the dubbed episodes weren't being premiered. I, it gave me this special feeling as a kid, like, you know, to the point where I would rewatch those DVDs constantly and look forward to every new um, installment of, of the series until it kind of doled out by the time I graduated high school and with The recent series that have overarching stories, part four, part five, part six, I've kind of had this momentum of like, I just want these to make me feel like, like I felt when I was a kid, but why isn't it making me feel like this over, this over ecstatic joy that I had when I was a kid? Oh, I'm realizing it now. And again, eating my words from our first review of tea time. I thought that having an overarching storyline would be a new change and a good fit for the series but i had to remind myself what happened with part four and part five and that what did i enjoy of part four and part five more that i'm enjoying in part six the standalone episodes because the standalone episodes are what part two was about there was no overarching story there was just a different story every week and it worked like you can't have an overarching story with lupon somehow it's just not done right Mm.
0: yeah um (laughs) i agree honestly i i think out of all the ones so far and i know some people would say part five did it better it started out doing better yes but i still think part four handled the overarching narrative so much better than either part five or six has because Mm -hmm. it it was mostly standalone episodes with like A very like not very small, but like the plot slowly and naturally build up like characters crisscross at certain points like Rebecca would go away for a few episodes and then come back into the story in like a very believable natural Mm -hmm. fashion. Then like it was the it was the final like what four or five episodes where it all really like became like the big like Da Vinci plot and even that was still seated like in a few episodes like before the final like stretch. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I, I liked the slow burn of mostly standalone episodes with like occasional plot stuff of part four rather than in part five. I liked it at first because it was the four episodes, complete arc, some one offs. But then the one offs kept like growing larger. And so the 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 third and fourth arc of part five just completely fell like flat. There's great moment Gosh. specifically in the fourth arc but they just like it's a train wreck if you, if in my personal opinion for for for, for the it end didn't of part land. five
3: no
2: yeah.
3: yeah But see uh it's funny you bring up part four because uh the way that you know the whole uh you know london arc is being handled in this episode reminded me a little bit of how part four did it yes
1: and i brought yep. that up earlier Yeah, like like, the way the way they made a like a subtle reference to uh, Lupin being in London because he has something to take care of. Mm in this in the area right now. Yeah, really, really good way to say, hey, this is still related to the actual arc going on. Like it's not, it's not explicitly happening in Brazil anymore. It's also happening in London. Mm -hmm. Right, it's It's bringing the main plot with the with the one-off episode together.
3: Yeah. It's yeah. like a, yeah. you know, it was like how part four, would have, you know, mostly, you know, standalone episodes, but you know, there'd also be like references to the fact that they're in Italy.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, they're not going all over the world. It's like, you know, it's like, no, no, we're in Italy for this whole series, except for one episode, you know, and, and then, you know, like whenever like, you know, uh, Rebecca would appear, but it wouldn't actually be connected to the whole dream of Italy thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Like in uh, the Sick pig. Yeah, like that was mostly a, you know, a standalone one-off episode, but
2: that was a great one-off episode.
3: Mm-hmm. It was, but it was also connected to, you know, the overarching uh, dream of Italy yep. story in a very very subtle way, because of the fact you know Rebecca's there and she's still married to Lupin III. Yeah, right. This is great.
1: As of I'm married, as of right yeah. now in the series part six, I think. The one thing I can say I wish they would have done differently from the get-go is when they started putting out the one-off episodes, if, if they even dropped a little bit of a hint that this was coinciding with the main events of Part 6, the London escapades with Sherlock Holmes, that would have made this a lot better. It would have flowed a lot nicer. The one-off yeah. episodes don't need to explicitly be in London. I'm not saying that. I'm saying have some like like this episode the subtle reference that lupin is in london <laughs> that yeah, should, speaks leagues more you know
3: right it's a, it's like the pacing for this series so far is is really awkward and confused I oh, totally agree which I relate with i'm usually awkward and confused myself but same but you know standards for people in tv series are usually you know a bit different right Thank you. I'm glad somebody thought that was funny. (laughs) I got a chuckle, anyway.
1: I love that. I was the only one that laughed there. (laughs) You get me, man. You get me. I do.
0: I do. (laughs) Um, But uh, on that note, and since we're getting close to having to wrap it up here, um, speaking of the pacing, we're we're getting close to the – we're getting close to the halfway, halfway point work. of points of part six, which means when we've, uh, I think it's in January when the second half starts, it is going to be held uh, or helmed by a different, uh, a different person in charge of series composition, which I understand is pretty much like the head writer, of, like the overall story, and I'm a like a showrunner. Yes, pretty much, pretty much like a showrunner, and it's um, Shiguru uh, Murakoshi is the one in charge of it, and they have. A considerable amount of uh, more series composition credits under their belt. Specifically both seasons of Zombieland Saga, which a lot of people really enjoy. So,
1: yeah. honestly... I, I did watch that, the first season. It was pretty good.
0: That that gives me more hope that the head writer has more experience overseeing the script of an entire show because the the person in charge of uh, Part 6 currently um, uh, only wrote three scripts for uh, detective Conan movies, three recent scripts and two episodes of the Conan TV show, uh, the Jim Barnett episode of part five and did the serious competition for this. And I'm, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to speak against their work or anything, but I, I wonder if we will notice a difference between a head writer who has never been a series composition writer before, and someone with much more experience doing that, it it gives me a little more hope for the second half, especially since we're going to be apparently touching on Lupin's mother, big question mark, which I am so excited. Lupin's mom, (laughs) ladies with rocket
3: gauntlets. I'm here for the second half, whatever this is going to be. This is going to be good. I was going to say, yeah, do you know who else touched on her? Lupin a second. Ha. Sorry. Anyway, go
2: ahead. <laughs> I will say this um, after seeing the previews for that and seeing the Lupin mom reveal. Um, I really do think there is someone in Japan who works for the writing team of <laughs> TMS and has read my fan fiction because The implications that I'm getting with the Lupin mom is that there is like some kind of treasure in his childhood home and his mom must be involved. And I'm thinking this is literally like the um, the thing that sets the plot in my part one Lupin story fanfic right now. So like TMS, if you're listening, doubt it. Are you reading my (laughs) fan fiction? (laughs) Cause I want writer credits. Damn it. (laughs) Based based on a fan fiction by this is the only name we could find. Captain Lee. (laughs) i
0: this plagiarism will not stand.
2: It's a fair use. yeah. Sorry. There's my rant.
0: (laughs) That's all good. And, uh, but before we, um, uh, get to our, you know, our, our, our plugs and our goodbyes, um, some of you may not know this, but um, uh, in my family, my heirloom, um, for some odd reason, we've always had uh, two Kokeshi dolls just, you know, passed down generation to generation. Don't ask me why. We're all white. It's kind of weird. Kind of made me uncomfortable. I don't know why we had those. Um, I, 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 I've looked at the, uh, the text. There's two little notes hidden in each one, and I, I've looked at the text ever since I was, I was, I was a young lad. It's always kind of baffled me and, and, until we started this show, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it aloud for you tonight. And I'm, uh, let's see if we can... I, I think it might be relevant.
4: So, without further ado... <clears throat> Greetings, Lupantic folks! Welcome back on Tea Time for the ninth episode of Lupin the Third, Part Six. This is a guest-written, standalone episode taking place largely in Brazil perfect to warm up our cold hearts this winter. What we have here is a rather heartfelt episode where Lupin and the gang enable the supporting cast to reach the conclusion of an emotional journey. Here, Lupin and Fujiko, both in their own ways, help the elder adventurer, Cherry, to pay tribute to her late sister, who died after her pirate lover, named Ziki Barbatos, got executed some 75 years ago. Speaking of which, it might be a bit weird for a 17th century-like pirate to be active in the 20th century, but again, this is Lupin III, where detectives and gentleman thieves still roam the modern world. This episode sees Fujiko partially take the lead, and there is a clear feeling of sorority throughout between Fujiko, Cherry and her granddaughter, and with the late sister's tragic yet beautiful story. We see a lot of different sides to Fujiko, both as her old duplicitous self and as a genuine protector with good intentions. The dynamic between her and Lupin is complementary and playful. Speaking of Lupin, he doesn't seem to be the main driving force of the story, but he helps starting and concluding things off. This reminds me of some of Maurice Leblanc's later novels where Arsène Lupin worked more as a detective than a thief, and would often appear at the beginning and end to provide resolution. Jigen and Goemong, whose arrival into the narrative is deliciously random, are on the back seat in this episode, but it is actually acknowledged and they provide some humour to a relatively earnest episode. Zenigata and Yata provide the minimum as the usual obstacle, but again it's okay for an episodic series to not put all characters on the same footing. Overall, this was a sweet episode, with a good narrative structure, some action and a lot of feeling, similar to a 19th century romantic novel spliced with some good old treasure hunting. The importance of trees as symbols of love and promises, might also be reminiscent of classic Japanese romance stories. After all, the episode mixes western pirates with Japanese heritage. And that is also what the Lupin franchise is all about, making a bridge between two cultural legacies. Seeing as the second half of part 6 will mention Lupin III's mother, who was probably Japanese, I wonder if this is some kind of echo, in a way. That's all for me, dear listeners. I apologize if I was a bit shorter than usual, but next time, Mamoru Oshi is back as guest writer with a plot involving an Archaeopteryx fossil and Charles Darwin. I must confess to you that I am very, very hyped for this episode, not only because of Mamoru Oshi's return but because I am a paleontology enthusiast, and I am looking forward to drown you all under scientific trivia and general nerdiness. But until then, take care, lupantic folks. And remember, true love is like cashew trees. It might blossom only once in a long while, but when it does, it's magical. You can find me on Twitter at William Barbey, B-A-B-E-Y, on Deventart and Art Station as Shinred Deer, S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-A-R, and you can even commission me or send me a tip on my coffee, also under Shinred Deer. So yeah, obviously, you see, it's kind of, it's kind of,
0: kind of fortuitous. I don't know how this ended up in my family's possession for decades and, and decades. But, you know, life is stranger than fiction. Anyway, um, so something happened uh, on the day that we recorded this episode. Obviously, you'll be hearing this on uh, Thursday. Hello, future people. Uh, We we are recording this episode. um, uh, Well, we started recording it on the... But now it's... Anyway, that's not important. Uh Discotech Day happened. You don't need to know
1: what time we th- we recorded this.
0: It's like our ways are mysterious. I'm gonna censor that. I'm just gonna
1: put I'm, I'm gonna
0: insert like a censor beep at that moment and then have <laughs> you saying that.
1: <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> no you don't need to know our ways. But anyway, Discotech Day <laughs> happened, which means um, of course Lupin announcements were part of the show and Yay! boy howdy um, they came out swinging good like, Lord. well, they, 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 they recapped with the, uh, there's obviously the, uh, the Lupin versus detective Conan movie that just came out on Blu-ray with a brand new dub, which I, I've got that, that came in the mail recently. Uh, and they also mentioned so good. that, good uh, yes, to catch that. I, I need to watch that. dub. I haven't got to watch it yet. It's just proudly sitting on my shelf. I love it. Mm-hmm. They, uh, after that, they announced that mystery of Mamo is coming to Blu-ray and uh currently uh march 2022 finally with uh, finally all all the dubs i think some some different bonus stuff as well because i know like they they, they tend to include like art galleries and a lot and they talked during the q a about the menu looking like like they had to like work hard on the menu not being a giant novel in and of itself so that got really excited <laughs> um but i guess yes. the, the, the the two biggest things to come out from the night were that uh They're releasing uh, the entirety of part one on Blu-ray. They themselves doing a brand new remaster from uh, an an HD transfer. They were given with a lot of uh, apparently had a lot of film damage and stuff on it, but they are going to work very hard to restore it with uh, a brand new English dub with the cast. We know and love Tony Oliver, Richard Epcar, Doug Erholtz, Michelle Ruff, Lex Lang.
3: Oh my god! I'm so Go excited. Wait, hold on, Who, who's playing? in got it again? got again. Uh, Doe Do Earholtz. I mean Doug Do Do Earholtz.
2: <laughs> That's an inside joke between us. Leave us alone. I'm
3: sorry, Doug. We will never let you live that. We would never let you live in that <laughs> typo. Just so you know.
2: Yeah. Never. <laughs> Doe Earholtz.
0: I never. I never. I, I always want to be reminded.
2: <laughs> but. And, uh, I, yes. And I'm sorry to cut you off, Drew, but it's like Go for I it. am so excited for this. I've only been waiting for this mm-hmm. for 16 years. A dub
1: of First Contact. Oh yes. my lord, <laughs> dude! I am beyond excited for <laughs> this. It's be and so you know, good. and I know a lot. I know a lot of us want to hear that line that Lupin says to Jigen. <laughs> I just want to see. The
2: hat come off. Yeah, that oh. very gay line. Yeah. Yes. But well, also, you- also, I'm I just want to listen to Doug Erholt's do hamburger burger. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I want to know how oh, they're okay. gonna go about this, That's considering it's an English dub. Yeah. <laughs>
3: hamburger,
2: hamburger,
3: hamburger. <laughs> <I'm bad. laughs> like,
2: ah. Manager
1: <laughs> <laughs> Manager.
3: Hamburger <laughs> <Hembeck> is Hamburger. <Hembeck. laughs> yeah,
1: I can't
2: wait. You know, honestly, that's, can't when, wait. that's
3: only worth the price of the Blu ray alone. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Just that, that one scene. Th- that
0: and that moment when he goes absolutely feral, uh, crawling through the sewer to try to get in the building where where might get the notice to. <laughs> that's also going to be beautiful.
1: <laughs> it's going <gonna sighs> to be gorgeous. It's gonna be Either fun way, hearing-
2: I'm just super excited. Fifteen-year-old me is elated. Disco really Tech Day was was fun.
0: We're gonna to get to hear Tony Oliver also, I cry out for Brad. That's gonna be interesting to hear. Also,
2: <laughs> <laughs> gay, gay, Martha!
3: gay. Well, I, I couldn't help but notice that Disco Tech seemed to be like working backwards with re-releasing their Loop on Third stuff with dubs. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like we have we have the versus Detective Conan movie. Then Mystery of Mamo Part One First Contact And so I'm just wondering how far back they're gonna go. Are they gonna dub Fuma Conspiracy? Ooh. Or Strange Psychokinetic Strategy? I, 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 yes. I want
2: I want an <laughs> update I mean, I w- Fuma I would conspiracy. Be damned,
3: like I would love to hear a, what Strange Psychokinetic Strategy would be like dubbed. That would that be, would be so amazing.
1: Insane.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't know, I haven't seen it. I'm still waiting to see it for our review, so
0: next year. Next year, we're going to be getting to Strange Psychokinetic Strategy.
3: (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. Man, that's such a wild movie. I'm so excited. Me
0: too. I'm so excited. Uh, So yes, today's discotheque (laughs) was absolutely thrilling. And of course, they're going to have more Lupin news down the pipeline at some point. But until then, um, Natalie, where can we find you?
2: Uh, You can find my unusually jolly self. I'm more of a Grinch. (laughs) on twitter at cap lee helsing um you can also find me at the instas got my grams at captain lee helsing and yeah that's where you can find me and also here on the pod too jay where can we find you when you're
1: not busy (laughs) (coughs) Uh, hmm. Uh, you can usually find me on my twitter at l-o-o-p-a-w-n loop on uh, or Instagram at lupin.sansei. L-U-P-I-N dot sansei, l u p i n dot s a n s e i. Uh, other than that, if you have me on Discord, you can catch me there. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. What about you, Chris?
3: Well, you can find Jay's work on my torso right now, ha! and <laughs> that, that was really the only track I could have for that this week. So you can find me on Twitter at Doctor Furball. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Newgrounds, and a few other places at Amazing Chris Godby. That's G O D B E Y. And you can find my web comics at weirdinacan.com dot com and o coward dot the dot org.
2: And Drew, where can we find you in the pod?
0: So you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15, that's D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. Um, uh, you can also find our podcast on Twitter at LupinPod, that's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. You can also find us on Instagram at the TheSaneAt, and um, uh, you can find our podcast on uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, if you're feeling a little, if you're feeling a little generous, you know, just you kind of scroll on down, give us a give, give us a rating and review. Any stars will suffice, but you know, you know which one, you know which one you want to do. Come on, and, <laughs>
1: five and, stars. And, and if you're listening hard. to us
3: on if you're listening to us on Spotify, I'm the reason why this episode has a little e next to it, so you're welcome. <laughs> we are talking about that Monkatsu sketch. These,
2: these episodes have had that e on it, like, dear lord, I was raised by Teamsters for fuck's sake.
3: <laughs> okay, but, but thanks to me, though, we've earned it this week. Absolutely. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. That's. I'm. Su- yeah, I'm surprisingly more calm in this episode. That's surprising. <laughs> I guess because I actually liked it.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So. On that note, farewell, Lupontic folks.
2: Good night.
0: Toodles.
3: What they said.
4: Time on sideburns and cigarettes.
2: Is this the real life, or is it just fantasy? We dinosaurs!
4: Oh, she, that's a fossil.
0: All right, my boy Oshie's back. Unfollow me now. This is going to be the only thing I tweet about for the next week. I've wanted this since episode four. Fuck, what the fuck, man? Oshie's back. Oh, my God. I'm going to be insufferable. (laughs) You're all going to hate me.
4: Hi. Hi, Drew? Drew, it's me, Guillaume. Yeah, (laughs) sorry to bother you in the middle of an episode, but uh, remember last time where I came in in a red car crashing onto the wall? Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, The thing is, I can't drive. Someone gave me this car and, well, I could not refuse, but I don't have a license. Um... Uh, When the episode is over, could you just um, pick me up? Because I, I don't know how to come back home.